This is a Baby Brunch podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control, and that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. FedHealth. We let you be you. Most of the stories we get through Parent and Baby Brunch is because I've had a good experience with an expert or because you have sent us questions and we really want to answer those. About six years ago, I was visiting the uh, Red Cross War Memorial Children's Hospital and I was introduced to a wing which is almost separate from the hospital that was called Child Safe. At the time, I didn't have children, but I remember the impact that the interview at the time made on me as a wanting to be mom. And how this area was teaching safety to to children and to to mommies and daddies. And I was I was very inspired, wanting to eventually one day do an interview. And now today, a podcast with the people involved. Pumla, it's so it's so great to chat to you while you are far away in my hometown, Cape Town, and and I get to speak to you from my office in Gauteng. How are you? I'm good, Elena. Thanks. And how are you doing? I am so well, and I am so proud that this project is still continuing. So Pumla Ndambega Nyakaza, she is the project manager at ChildSafe Red Cross War Memorial Children's Hospital. ChildSafe is a nonprofit organization. Their aim is to reduce and prevent injuries with children through research and education. They do recommendations. Um, Pumla, you're also a social worker by profession and you're currently studying as well. It's just wonderful that you are preventing childhood trauma and that you are helping communities and moms and dads and people. So welcome to Baby Brunch. Thank you for this opportunity, Elena. I want to get straight into it. So, I mean, I've had a tour. I've had an uh, in-depth tour and a chat to you guys about child safe. But tell me what you do. All right. At Child Safe, we're an injury prevention unit uh, that is at the hospital. So uh, what we do is try to prevent injuries because so many kids that are in the hospital, they have injuries that can be uh, prevented. So as an organization, we do research and we also do education where we make parents aware of what are the dangers within inside the home and also outside the home that can make their children uh, get injured. And lastly, we also do advocacy where we go to parliament and present to parliament what what needs to to, to be done to protect our kids. Like in terms of legislation, recently we've also had influence in terms of that kids need to be buckled up in in a car seat. So we do those kind of things where we want our children to be safe. Safety, one would imagine, is something basic because, you know, we always joke around the fact that when the baby turns one years old, you say, ah, we've made it. You know, I managed to keep a whole baby safe for for a whole one year. Mm. But even though we managed to joke about it, this is something that is very serious. And I've seen it in, in the Red Cross Hospital with all our little ones where, you know, you walk around and you realize that the child's been involved in a burn mm. and both hands are burnt. I'll never forget. I met twins at the time. And I said to the nurse, why are all their hands bandaged? And she says, well, there was a hot plate involved and the one twin touched with the one hand, then touched with the other and the other one came to save, you know? Mm. So four hands are burnt, two children are in trouble and we really want to avoid that. So I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. 
Thank you for looking out for our children and for also just reminding us what safety is about. Because these are things that we know, but we, we have to be reminded about it. Take me to this. I mean, when we when we spoke the last time, I remember this impressive, it was an almost an exhibition that resembled a home and that gave us basic guidelines of how we can how we can make our home more safe. What are some of the suggestions that you have for parents and parents to be in order to make the home safe? Actually, to make a home safe, uh, it's very easy. Sometimes we think that we need to have money in order to make mm-hmm. our home safe, but you can just do that by child-proofing your home. Child-proofing your home, you can simply just uh, go down on your knees at the level of your baby or the toddler so that you can see the dangers that you can find in your home so you can be able to identify hazards, like you can be able to see open sockets where you need to put uh, plug covers in there. You can see um, things from a child's level because when you are an adult, you uh, you don't really see what can happen down there. So when you are at the child's level, you are able to see certain things. And then that's when you can be able to identify and remove the dangers before they can actually happen. Because what normally happens is that we only realize when something has already happened, but we need to be proactive by ensuring that we child-proof our home and just remove the things. Like maybe there's an iron that sometimes is in a position where a small child can be able to grab or a kettle, a kettle with a cord that the child can be able to grab onto themselves. So once you are in their level, you are able to identify those dangers. So that is the first step that you need to do. But also making sure that you keep all your poisons, all your medicines, mattresses, and all the other sharp instruments. Because during COVID time, what we found out was that most kids are at home. So when they're at home, are they we found them drinking lots of, of uh, sanitizer because sanitizer is easily mm. available. So we also need to be careful of uh, what is in the easy reach of our kids. So we always need to make sure that those things that can be harmful to kids, they must be put out of their reach. And also kids are likely to get bored at home. So uh, another thing that you just need to do is to try to always keep your child entertained, give them books when they are inside the home because once they're bored they will start uh, exploring what they what they can do next that's when they will go and look at that kettle and they will pull the pot handle and they will do some other things that can put them in danger so mm. it's important that you always try to keep your kids um entertained or having something like a program where they are busy with something that is safe it's interesting that you talk about the the, the cord level, the the cord um, and the the kettle cord and the the ironing cord. I remember doing the tour, and you just reminded me of it. I remember doing the tour in your in your um, demonstration room, and how easily one can forget to just hang a small cord over the counter, mm. but that when our babies start walking, you know mm. they grab. Yes. So they grab either a handle, they grab mommy's leg, mm. and God forbid they grab onto kettle cords because yes. it's the it's easily accessible. Yes. So I mean something as simple as that could be so could be preventative, man. And and so that's a that's a great example, keeping them busy. Yes. I'm trying to look at the home and it's it's wonderful that you say go onto the child's level, you know, start crawling around the house. The incidents that come to the hospital are they around children who are starting to walk or are they children that are walking already that's just being inquisitive? Okay, uh, from our um, statistics, we found that children from as early as they start to, to actually um, crawl, um, which is at the toddler stage, 
and uh, the age of uh, say eight months to go up mm. maybe uh, about four five because those kids are still learning they don't know uh what is dangerous and not. So they also at that age try to explore by putting some things into their mouth because they want to know what is what is this. So children between ages of eight months up until we say five, they are still at, at high risk of being injured in the home. That's why you as a parent need to be proactive and look at what can your child do in the home and try to prevent it before it can actually okay. Immediately, I want to move from inside the house to outside the house. When it comes to pools and pool covers, I mean, this is a conversation that I probably have once a week, not just around safety in my own home, but when we go and visit other people. You know, I remember there was a stage when my children were small that we wouldn't visit people if they didn't have a fence around the pool. That was just like we didn't go. Mm. And I want to ask from a, from, from a safety expert point of view, what is your recommendation? I mean, what do you think is is a safe way and a responsible way to handle pools and swimming? Okay, um, we always recommend for any water, whether it's pools, that children should always be supervised near any water because um, uh, a child needs only four centimeters of water to drown in. And also it's important to realize that um, when a child is drowning, you will never hear. Most of the time you don't hear a child drowning because the, um, the water covers the mouth and the nose. So the child, the child will try to scream, but you won't hear. So by the time you react, the child is already going to drown and the child might also um it can be something that is tragic. So uh, we always say that it's important that kids should be supervised and near a water and also make sure that uh, children don't have access to pools. Uh, and you can also safeguard your pool by either having, we, we normally rec we recommend three layers, which is your um, a pool alarm, if, pool alarm, mm. or you can also have a self-closing um, gate and also you can have a pool cover. So you need to have at least those things in place to ensure that children uh, will be protected should they go to the pool, but always make sure that kids don't have access to pools. So in some homes you find that although the pool uh, has a cover or the pool has a self-closing gate, but you find that uh, kids dump, jump onto something like maybe there is a tree that is next to the pool they jump into there and they try to get into the pool irrespective so you must always try to make sure that there are no things where children can be able to climb onto in order to get into the pool because once you've closed the gate they will always because kids are always want to find other ways they adventurous they will always mm. try to find other means to get into the pool so you also need to be extra careful of those kind of things it's interesting that you say this because we have a step that allows our children to get onto the trampoline. Mm -hmm. And I called little sister into in the act the other day, taking the step from the trampoline and putting it next to the pool fence and trying to climb over. Mm -hmm. So as much as I think I am child safe, I must tell you that even that surprised me the other day. And so it's, it's good that you just point our attention to climbing, etc. Uh, there's, there's something, Pumla, that caught my attention now because, you know, I also want the people that work in our home, our educators, and even our domestic workers who are working around the home or any child carer or minder that is working with our children, I want them to listen to this podcast. Mm. 
You said four centimeters of water. What about buckets around the house? Yes, uh, we anything that has water, you must always make sure once um, you've maybe, let's say, for example, you were using a bucket uh, to store water. So once you have used that bucket, make sure that you actually take out that water or make sure that the bucket has got lead. Because we know that the little ones, they are curious. They might want to see what it is. So a child between the age of zero to four, developmentally, their head is, is actually heavier than the rest of their body. So if a child try to see what is in a bucket, for example, because their head is heavy, they will topple over in that water and they can drown. So it's important that we always make sure that there is no uh, water in our home. So if there is water, throw it away or make sure that... Um, make sure that there is a lid. And also be careful also of um, having our, our bathroom doors open because kids sometimes when they're crawling stage, they crawl to the bathroom without anyone aware. They open the, if it's open like the bathroom door, they can get in and that pot lid, because there is a little bit of water, they are capable of also drowning in there as well. So we must always make sure that they don't have access to, to bathrooms as well because of the water that is in the bathroom. That's in the bathroom and in the toilet. From from what age can we discuss safety around the house with children? Uh, we recommend that as the child starts talking, which is around the age of two, we, as mothers, we must try to speak to our children about safety, try to make them uh, touch um, maybe not a hot stove, but touch a stove and tell them that this is hot so that you start uh, introducing safety as early as possible so that as they grow, you they can understand that certain things they are not supposed to touch because you are actually teaching them. Because what normally happens is that as parents, we don't talk about safety with our kids. And we mm. expect that by a certain age, maybe at age of six, that they should be able to know that the, the stove is hot, but they won't know if you as a mother or a father don't engage with them, like talk to them nicely in the language that they can understand. So at the age of uh, two, start slowly and gradually and teaching them as they grow about safety. That's very, very important. What about children in the bath? I mean, the doorbell rings, you've got two little ones in the bath and you quickly go and open. I mean, do we... We've all done it. We all yeah. say, yes, we will watch them. We've all done it. We, we leave them in the bath to be because we've now done the cleaning and now it's playtime. I mean, mm. if, if you had to leave them for a second or two, from what age do we do that? Uh, we always recommend that babies from zero up until four years, they are still in a stage of drowning. As I said, that developmentally they are head is heavier than the rest of the body, so they can topple and drown. So we are not recommending that children should be left between those ages in the bath. So even if the doorbell rings, you must actually take the child with you. And, mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but once they are five, we're thinking that they are stable enough, but also you still need to be watchful and be, and be careful because kids are kids. So always make sure that if there is water, there is always someone to supervise children. Because as I've said earlier on, that water is a silent killer. So uh, we need to be careful when there is water. Accidents happen so quickly. And I'm just thinking of the bry fire, you know. Um, one of our friends have one of these kettle bries. And, you know, you show your child everything, but you don't show them a kettle bry is hot, you know. And 
how how do we avoid these instances? I mean, we've had many chats and podcasts around the fact that um, if you go on holiday, you know, you first do a little recce, you walk around the area to make sure that things are safe or that, you know, you can be safe from, God forbid, criminals or theft. Mm. But do you do that kind of walk around when you are at people's homes? Like, do you say, show me your home because <laughs> I need to make sure my baby's safe? Like, what would be... What would be? What did you recommend? I mean, yeah, we want to avoid things. Uh, we always say that parents need to be extra careful when they're visiting someone else's home because your home might be much more safer. But when you're visiting someone else's home, or maybe when you're going on holidays, you're saying that you're going to a BNB. It's very important that you first need as a parent to assess the dangers, as I've said earlier on, uh, that you you think that your child uh, will be able to um, reach uh, and be and take those things away. Uh, so when it comes to uh, Bri, we always recommend that anything that has to do with fire, you must always make sure that uh, children are supervised. And also we're saying that parents mustn't just be there for the sake of being there. There should be active supervision because um, kids are very fast. Uh, so make sure that you are there, not just uh, being present, being making sure that you're watching your child each and every time, each and every second. Uh, and also we recommend that kids should be far away, like an arm's length, at least from a bright area, so that uh, they cannot be able to put stuff in the fire and all those all, all, all right. kind of things. But also important that should, um, if you're a bright, make sure that you put the, the bright fire with water. Uh, we have incidences where people use sand and scent doesn't really put off a, a bright fire. So you must use water, make sure that the, that bright fire has been uh, extinguished. And also should a child then get burned, we know that we mustn't actually put some stuff in the burn wood. We must put it in water and cold water for about 20 minutes and then wrap uh, with a clean cloth. And if the burn wound is it's too, it's too big, then you know that you need to seek medical care. Mm. Is from from all the incidents, and I mean, I'm asking this because I'm curious. From all the incidents that that comes to the hospital, what what's the most common? Um, from ours, um, it, it depends in terms of uh, kids that are coming in into the hospital. It's mm. due to falls. Falls are the number one um, reason why kids are coming to the hospital because kids are falling from stairs, they are falling from a mm. playground and all that stuff, followed by bends. Uh, and then it's also uh, bends and it's choking and suffocating depending on the age. Um, but when it comes to deaths, the number one killer of kids is our road uh, traffic injuries followed by Amen. drowning and then um, bends. So in terms of hospital admission, it's mostly... Um, falls. So we need to be extra careful of kids falling either from floors or from bed. We have lots of kids uh, as they as they are still small, they're likely to fall from a bed during the day when they are sleeping because at that time they they roll, so they will roll over and fall. So uh, falls are still the highest in terms of hospital admission. And then it's um, road crashes is number three when it comes to admissions at the hospital. Mm. It's interesting that you talk about the rolling. You you know what always gets me? Um, because the one day your baby can only lie, and then when you see again, the baby can roll. You know, mm -hmm. it happens overnight. Yes. And, I mean, 
a lot of us have had a baby that is, has fallen off a bed. My first one also fell, fell off a bed and thank God she's fine. Mm. But, but I'm, I'm think what, what would your advice be to a mom who lets a baby sleep in, in a bed and perhaps you live in a, in a, in a house where you don't have access to a cot and the baby is still in bed with mom and dad, you know, so that's where the baby takes the afternoon nap or daytime naps. What advice can you give all of our moms and dads who's listening, who needs to put children down for nap time? Uh, we always find out that baby normally falls during the day uh, because at night, if the babies will be sleeping with their parents. So during the day, we normally recommend that uh, if you don't have a cot, rather take the mattress and put it down and uh, allow your child to sleep on the floor because it is much more safer because kids roll developmentally. They would roll like mm. a, a child would wake up and they will scream and you are not around and they will start rolling to get attention. That's when they will be fall. That, that's when they would fall. So it's important that you just put the mattress down and put your child during the day. And also, um, Elena, if I must stress this, um, doctors are always says that falls are much more severe because as parents, we normally worry about a broken arm or a broken leg or bruises. That's mm. not that's not all with falls because if the child keeps falling, uh, their brain, because their brain is still developing, they can just, due to a fall, have mm. brain damage, a permanent brain damage, which is something that is irreversible. So we need to be careful that our, our babies don't fall because it can have permanent damage, which is the child's brain. So we need to be extra careful. How how important is it? Uh, I'll tell you where this comes from. So so today at, at my office, we had a fire drill. And fire drills are normally seen as the joke of all jokes because now we, we are, you know, your work is interrupted and now everyone needs to go to the assembly point. And, you know, generally we see it as such a disruptor, you know, mm. You're wasting my time, you know, getting me up to go and do it. And what I find is, is that when there is a fire, most of us don't know what to do. Yeah. Do you do you do we go the extra mile of doing a fire drill at home? Do we discuss that with our kids in case of a fire? This is what we're going to be doing. You know, is it is it necessary? It is extremely, extremely important that we must do our fire drills as family because no one knows when a fire can start. So it's important that everyone needs to know what to do because normally we, we panic. And kids, most of the time when it comes to fire, sometimes once they, they see a fire, they will try to hide maybe under the bed. And mm. they think that if they hide, and the fire won't come to them, or maybe they will close their eyes, thinking that if I don't see the fire, the fire won't come to me. So it is very important that you must teach them that they need to know what to do should a fire uh, happen, because no one knows when. And also, it's important that you must have an evacuation plan in place. You must have a place where you know only as family members where to get out, maybe a small window or maybe another door that you want to lock, or you know that how you can get out easily. So it should be something mm -hmm. that the family discusses before something happens. Do we do we create panic buttons? Do we show them where it is if our house is equipped with one? Um, I'm not in the know of the statistics, and and we often have our security expert that talks about security issues. But do we give our children the responsibility of a panic button in the house? It's a very um, difficult question to say. Um, if it's advisable, because it also depends in terms of your the child's uh, maturity level. It depends on the dependability of the child and the ability of the child to make um, 
a reasonable decision. So we're always saying that we mustn't just give um, panic button to kids when they are not ready for an emergency. You must only give when you know that the child now is in a stage where the child will be able to use it. So that's why it's important for us that if you start teaching your child at the early age about safety so that at a certain age, you would know that by this age, maybe let's say eight years, the child should be ready to use a panic, a panic button. And yeah, because you have uh, taught your child about child safety at an early mm. age. The one thing that I hate talking about, and it's so necessary, is choking. Um, both my toddlers have choked before. Uh, thank God not on a block, but the one time it was a leave and I couldn't even see it. Uh, the one time it was a piece of plastic and that you can hardly notice because it's see-through. Mm-hmm. And and when it comes to, to eating, I mean, there are hundreds of books written about this, about, you know, when our children start eating solids and what is a natural choke and what isn't. Um, we also have a podcast around this in terms of first aid. But when it comes to avoiding choking what advice from child safe can you give us and what measures should we put in place so that you know Pumla, i say this and my children are addicted to lego they love lego but sometimes when they play it just goes into their mouths they just yes. and and i am paranoid you know i'm sitting here and i have chills because i've 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 had a, a baby gone to bed playing with lego and found a piece in her mouth before you know, so choking is a very personal and a very distressful topic for me to even talk about. But if we had to put our moms and dads at ease, what kind of advice can you give us to 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 keep with us? Okay, for choking, the kids can choke due to food or they can choke using toys. So when it comes to toys, we always advise that when parents are buying toys, they must always make sure that they buy age-appropriate toys. Um, so that uh, because all the toys um, in the in the label, there is always something that will be written that um, the child under the age of three shouldn't be playing with this toy. Mm. So we need to be careful of making sure that we don't give kids um, toys with um, sharp edges or with small parts because we know that those kids will put into into their mouth. So it's important that you you look at the age and buy appropriate according to the to the to the right age. And also what is important with um, with food is that we don't give uh, our babies uh, things that they cannot chew. For example, uh, we normally say that peanut butter, we, we, there is a, a peanut butter that is crunchy. You, you are not allowed to give your child a, a, pin, a crunchy peanut butter until they are able to chew properly. Uh, so by mm. age of seven, we, we we say that at least at that age, they can be able to chew. So you can start giving them um, the crunchy one. But once when they are smaller, from six years down, you can give them uh, the smooth one. So you just need to be able to identify when they are able to chew things properly. So you can't give them things that they won't be able to chew. So that's a good that's a good uh, way to measure it. So I'm trying to think of something else, but that's a, so yeah, the same would be, I guess, for a chewable toffee or yes. um, the same would be for something that you see, it's all the things like nuts and yeah. sugar. Maybe they should just stay away. From <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this, this so far, I mean, I wish everyone could literally do a tour of, of your exhibition to just see how, 
how easily one could safe proof a home and and make things safe if there's if there's anything else that you want to leave our parents with what would it be in terms of safety when it comes to our babies and our children what can you what can you leave us with all right two important points that I'm, i need to just leave you with uh, is that we must always make sure that we discard all plastic wrappings mm. as they can cause suffocation Yeah. Uh, so, and also another very, very important thing is that always make sure that your child doesn't use the, the skateboard or the scooter until they have a protective equipment, mm. uh, which includes a pad or a helmet. So, yeah, before they can actually use um, the, the, the bicycle. Mm. Pumla, I wish for a friend that will buy my child a bike. And... <laughs> <laughs> I want to uh, just quickly because this is just what came up for me. Um I know that you're based in Cape Town but is there is there a communal number that one can report an emergency to? Like if if a child gets hurt is there is there a a emergency line that you can call that has preference to to other um emergency channels so that they can get there quicker or faster other than equipping us with a CPR course I'm an advocate for that always. Yes. Um, having, having, or being able to do first aid and making sure that you do your course regularly. We do one once a year. So, you know, you hear the same information over and over, but it's so useful, you know. Um, is there, is there a number that we can call in order to make sure that we can keep our baby safe? It is important that, uh, we must have emergency numbers, maybe in, on your fridge. Uh, the most important number that you need to call is 112 which is uh you can use uh your cell phone to call that number and it will put you through to all uh maybe police or child safe or the hospital should you need any help you need to just call the 112 number wonderful 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 Pamela thanks for your time all the best you've taught so many people things around our children and safety and especially uh the work that you do uh, in the Western Cape and in our townships and may our children always be safe so thank you so much for your time today thank you very much elena for this thank you this podcast is proudly brought to you by fed health fed health's flexi fed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits including its free fed health baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys choose fed health for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice flexibility and control and that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey fed health we let you be you